Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago, but those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my God, I'm so afraid about how long this episode is going to be. We have so many shows that are currently airing right now. I don't know how long this is about to be. This episode is going to be longer than Route 66. This episode is going to be longer than uh, some Go Naked Hair at a Housewives reunion. This episode is going to be so long. It's going to be longer than... La Cienega Boulevard is his feet when she got in that swimming pool and she swam faster than Michael Phelps and she got out and everybody was like, damn, it's your reality roundup episode of me and you, the housewives and Marvel Two. Let's go. I should have said this <laughs> This episode is going to be longer than Karen Clark Shields' note that she held at the end of uh, Jesus is a Love Song, but I don't know if y'all would have got that one. That's a little, that's a little uh, Southern Baptist for you. Look, it's, I mean, th- this is a great week. We got Atlanta back, you guys. The real housewives of Atlanta are back on our TV screens. And y'all know even on their worst day, they're better than most of the other franchises. We can always count on them for some laughs. We can talk count on them to talk about real issues going on and they gave us all of that and much more in this opening episode 
Man, oh man, I loved everything about this. I felt like, like I feel like I needed to hold my fist up the entire time. And every time it was on commercial break, I just kept yelling, fight the power, uh, 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 say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Like it was everything I needed in life. Y'all, this week of reality TV is, I don't know if there's been a more back to back to back to back week of just amazing content. Just like, I mean, I don't think I've seen social media this busy in God knows how long. We had that jam-packed Real Housewives of Atlanta episode. We had that supersized Potomac finale. We had that incredible episode of The Bachelorette. And oh my God, I I have not laughed this hard at TV in so long. That damn Salt Lake City episode, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, my God, that was... (laughs) I, I can't wait to talk about that. That was the funniest shit in the world. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with Atlanta, though, because I'm just so happy. Th- the world feels right when they're back in our lives. Like, whenever you get to see Titty Scent on your screen, all is right in the world. Let's go ahead and talk about the real Housewives of Atlanta. First of all, let's talk about the actual opening. And I'm not talking about the intro, you know, the taglines, none of that. They did, like, before they showed the the uh, title card of the, of the series, they did an opening that was so powerful. They showed all of them getting ready for their interview looks, them walking into the room. You know, they're showing that it was really COVID safe. The producer is far away, and it's really a, it's really a small space that they're going in, limited amount of people in the room. And they kick it off by talking about all of the things that are going on this year with all the uh, social justice movements. And I hate saying it, it's just, it's, Everything that's going on in the world that we're finally, you know, that the masses are finally paying attention to. They did these interviews with uh, these all black backgrounds instead of like, you know, the cookie cutter kind of living room setup that they usually have. They began, they started talking about Breonna Taylor. If you've been on social media, you know, Portia Williams has been in Kentucky back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, fighting for Breonna Taylor. She's been with the family. She's been in and out of jail. It's like everything. But the thing that really as beautiful as that was, because we actually see more of that in the episode, as beautiful as that was, them actually, I'm, I'm shocked. Bravo actually p- played a piece of the footage from the George Floyd video, the infamous, you know, uh, his knee bastard his knee on his neck it it was so much and i was so shocked that bravo actually played a piece of it but quiet as it kept i needed them to actually do that and then some because they still got kelly dodd employed on their damn network now i'm just saying i mean if you go if you go have the housewives on there you talking about george floyd and brianna taylor and uh, Tamir Rice and everybody else that's been killed by police brutality. You better talk about it all when you still got uh drunk wives matter on that damn show, and that's the reason why I don't watch that shit on Wednesdays. I make sure you know what I make sure I tune in to Bravo not at nine o'clock, not at eight fifty nine. I want to watch Salt Lake City. I tune in at nine o one Central Time. I make sure when I get on there the the damn uh. Taglines better be playing. If it's a piece of Orange County, I'm just gonna call tonight a scratch. I'm not trying to get Kelly Dodd none of my ratings, and plus that shit boring anyway. You know what? This is not about them. I don't give them shine the same way I don't like to give Lisa Renner shine on her. Y'all know I'm beefing with that lady, Lisa Renner. If I catch you in the street, you know what? Let me go on to the actual episode. 
the actual episode opens up at Lake Bailey. Oh, how I've missed Lake Bailey. How I've missed Titty Scent. She's setting up stuff out in the driveway. Cynthia was like, look, I don't know how to have you. She said, uh, I didn't know how else to do it. The real thing was she didn't want y'all asses coughing and breathing all over her nice new furniture and uh, spreading y'all COVID germs all over her damn house. She said, no, I'm going to set these motherfuckers out in the driveway. That way, uh, if y'all get anybody sick, it's the damn birds and ducks that live around this damn pond in my backyard, lake, whatever the hell it is. Y'all not about to get me sick or uh, Mike Hill sick or whoever the hell this man is she has uh, walking around her house filling out calendars and shit. Y'all not about to get us sick. Candy, you be around there uh, switching that big booty all in there with Todd and stuff. I know Todd got COVID breath. You not about to give him COVID. Y'all ain't doing none of that. My favorite part of this, though, Candy pulled up first, but Marlo pulled up right after her. Marlo, when I tell you Marlo is me, I bought a thermometer, like one of those uh, like portable temperature checkers. Like you can check someone's uh, the temperature on their forehead. I bought one of those on Amazon. And when I tell you I carry it everywhere, you are not getting in my house unless I can check your temperature. Marlo pulled up. You know, she complimented Cynthia. She, oh, this is beautiful. I love that. Oh, this is not. And then she said, well, hold on. You know, I don't want to, uh, I like the way you got it set up here, but let me uh, check that temperature. She pulled that thing out. Okay, 97.3. Okay, Candy, come here. Bring your uh, big escaping ass over here, too. She got Candy over there. She, okay, 97.3. I know that's right, Marlo. Listen. If you ain't between 97 and 99, you can't come in my damn house. My uncle popped up over here the other day. His ass was on the porch. I was like, uh-uh. For hold on, I said, hold on. Let me go get this damn uh, thermometer so I can check your ass. Because you're not about to be in here coughing and sneezing and shit. And then you uh find out one of your partners down at the warehouse got COVID. Oh, hell no. You stay on that porch. Hold on. Let me go get this damn uh cheap ass Amazon eye health thing and I'm gonna check you but you don't you do don't even touch that damn doorknob now I gotta get uh my Lysol and my disinfectant all because you want to pop up on people oh hell no no the hell you won't just when I thought Marlo couldn't get any better she pulled out that tape measure she was like oh hell no six feet listen doc I don't know why the hell y'all got Dr. Fauci out here you need to have Marlo ass <laughs> Trump wouldn't have got sick if it, uh, if Marlo was in the White House see that's your problem this uh damn administration didn't want that many black people in there y'all put Omarosa in there you should have had Marlo in that damn White House I bet when nobody had caught COVID then Marlo made sure them people she got them the hell on she like oh hell no hold on let me scoop back a little bit <laughs> I'm tired of y'all the discussion immediately goes to uh, Portia Luther King. You know, they ask, had Marlo talked to Portia? She tells her about all the good stuff that she's doing. And, they, you know, they're giving her credit and all this kind of stuff. They call Kenya. Kenya can't hear her because apparently uh, Cynthia got Boost Mobile or Metro or Cricket or some <laughs> or her cousin Leroy came around there and hooked up some. Ca- I don't know. Something about her Wi-Fi. They couldn't hear shit going on at Cynthia's house. But that ends up taking us right into Miss Moore, right down the street to Moore Manor, which is up the street from Chateau Shrey. Now, we didn't get no Shrey on this episode. I doubt we get any of her this season. I would love to, but I doubt that happens. But turns out that Kenya, more than anybody during this quarantine, is the most relatable one of all. Kenya is rushing out the house trying to meet uh 
that damn lawyer, the, you know that same lawyer that everybody goes to on these Atlanta reality shows. Ch the same man that uh, <laughs> helped Rashida try to divorce Kurt. The same uh, man that helped all the Braxton sisters divorce their husbands. This one-ass man that handles every divorce case in Atlanta. She's trying to go and meet him, and she says that she can't even fit this damn dress. Kenya said that she put on a smaller bra, uh, one of them uh, titty-reducing bras. She uh she sucked it in. She was she said well nothing fit. Kenya says she has gained thirty pounds during quarantine. Let me tell y'all something. I started intermittent fasting. Literally, nothing to do with COVID. I had a plan. I was gonna start it at the beginning of March. I am when I tell you I'm so happy that I did it and it's like it's literally my new way of life. I only eat I've told y'all this before, but I only eat between the hours of two PM and eight PM. So the rest of the time I'm fat I'm literally drinking water and that's it basically. I put some like some trace mineral drops and all that kind of shit in there, you know that bullshit that all the vegans tell us to do. Oh, whatever. But I literally started that before COVID started making us like work from home, it, it ended up being like three weeks of doing that. And then like we were working from home. Had I not been, I literally like, I would be in a wheelchair. Probably I would be on my 600 pound life. I would be biggest. Like I'd be the woman that stepped on the scale. And then that man was like, damn. Yeah, that would be me because I like, I couldn't imagine eating the way that I was eating and then sitting up in the house this whole time. And I, I have a desk job like normally. So sitting up in here all day, not being able to get up to walk, to, at least walk to the bathroom. Dang. I mean, nowhere Kenya. I listen, I know I would have been, I would have been in this house so goddamn big. Thank God. Let me tell you something about timing. I must have timed that perfectly or God timed it. Somebody, uh, Buddha or <laughs> Thanos. I don't know. Somebody timed this perfectly to where I started doing intermittent fasting right before all of this and thank god i'm one of the few people that's actually lost weight during quarantine but had that not been the case y'all would have had to come check on me because i would have sounded three times as big as i already am on this damn podcast and y'all wouldn't be listening because y'all couldn't understand a word i was saying but you know what whatever we then get to portia talking about why she's championing for brianna taylor and then we get talking about her and, uh, you know, her history with her grandfather, Hosea Williams, talking about early experiences with the N-word and uh, what she's gone through and how this year really kind of was a big change for her and how it kind of restruck the match that he struck in her a long time ago with championing for people that aren't able to champion for themselves, whether it's for, uh, you know, police brutality, whether it's for women's rights, you know, in healthcare or whatever it may be, she's championing for it all. The part that stuck out to me though, like major was her recording the video before she went protesting. Isn't it fucking sad that in a world of peaceful protests and in the world of Sandra Bland, you have to literally record a video on your phone saying that you're not going to kill yourself and you would never kill yourself just to go peacefully protest. She recorded the video. She said, my name is Portia Williams. I love my life. I would never take my life. I would never harm myself again. I'm here peacefully. So if I'm here and I am arrested, 
I'm sacrificing myself for the cause. Now, see, that's some real woman shit right there. I love that Portia. But see, now, okay, look. Now, okay, look. I, I, see, I, okay, okay, now, look, okay. It couldn't, it, it probably couldn't be me. Because that's why, you know, if y'all listen to this, this podcast, you know I like to go off on tangents. I like to, you know, I have a side note every other word you know i like to talk about other shit my video would have been so damn long and off topic had i had to do that before peacefully protesting my video would i would have said my name is kendrick tucker i had i love my life i would never take my life i would never harm myself i'm trying to be here peacefully but y'all know motherfuckers want to try me just like Kelly Dodd gets on TV and plays in my face and plays with our emotions and our intelligence and doing all of these damn fake-ass apologies. If anyone at Bravo ever sees this, I'm out here on the front lines doing the hard work. The least you could do is fire Kelly Dodd and bring back Tamika Nim on Southern Charm, New Orleans. As a matter of fact, tell Craig to stop going live with Tommy Laren on the other Southern Charm. Maybe I'll start watching that shit. See? That's why I couldn't, I, you know what, Portia, I'm going to lead a protest into you. I'm going to just do what you know. I'm going to stay here in Memphis. I'm going to help organize the protest and I'm going to, you know, donate to the cause because child, they'll have my video all on the evening news and them people think that I started some shit. So let me move on because uh, Block, after all these years, is still a deadbeat dad. We go over to Candy's house and basically they're still, you know, after all these years, Block, you, you still a deadbeat apparently. You know, you remember all those years ago, Riley tried to have a connection with him. They had that little one-ass lunch, and then she ain't seen him since. So Riley's like, look, I'm not doing this shit with you. I'm about to go to NYU. And apparently, Riley is the one that triggered Candy into going after the child support. Because Riley was like, look, you go put in on this tuition, this high-ass NYU tuition. Look, my best friend currently lives in New York. He is still... I Listen... He went to NYU for grad school. That goddamn tuition is so high. Block, you go put in on something. Riley was like, look, you got to pay for this tuition or hell. You got to at least cover this room and board. Or I mean, damn, you could at least, you got to give me some on this chemistry textbook or this, uh, <laughs> this mathematics textbook. I don't know if y'all still doing arithmetic in college, but look, you know, I graduated college years ago. You look, I'm 31. Yeah, I, I graduated undergrad in, uh, what was it, 2011, and then I graduated grad school in 2014, okay? So I I, I don't know if they doing arithmetic, okay, the three R's or three A's or whatever the hell they call that shit. But look, Riley said, you go put in on something. You go help me get this uh Metro bus pass to get around this motherfucker or something. You ain't just about to be out here with uh having another damn child. Talking about the prince is back or whatever he, the hell he said. If you the king of Atlanta, Atlanta is a broke-ass, busted-ass city. That's all I got to say. I'm sick of y'all asses. But the funniest part of this whole thing was when Candy was telling Riley about what Block texted her. Because when she sent him those damn child support papers, he apparently texted her and said, you acting like a broke bitch. The look on Todd Tucker's face when he, because he was like, now, wait a minute, bitch. You ain't, you ain't tell me that. Like, wait a minute. Todd, <laughs> the look on that boy's face was the funniest part of the episode, probably. Todd was ready to call his partners and go whoop that ass. But see, look, 
Todd, you about my height. You and Candy both short. Wasn't any said y'all short with big heads. <laughs> Todd, you my height, so you might have gotten your ass whooped. But it's the thought that counts, okay? I'm sure Riley appreciates that shit, and I'm sure Candy do too. And I guess Blaze and Ace do too. I, hell, I don't know. Probably uh, Karma, as Mama Joyce say. I think Karma appreciated. Don, Miss Don Juan, he appreciated. It's the thought that counts, even though you probably go over there and them goons, uh, get to shooting out your windows and shit but listen as long as you as long as you can go back to your house with your head held high that's all that matters the rest of them motherfuckers go laugh at you but as long as you can go back with your head held high that's all that matters i'm not talking about every scene in this uh episode you know there were some filler scenes but the funniest part of this episode was mike hill talking about him and Cynthia's sex life in L.A. Mike Hill is at Lake Bailey. He said that's the best thing about being in Atlanta is that they ain't got to uh, hide on the pillows no more having sex. That man said sex in L.A. with Cynthia, when she had that pillow over here, was sounding like her starting a damn car up in the morning. Like some somebody uh, just, uh fighting some damn cats in the morning. I know them kids was like, what the hell going on in that room? They probably thought Mike was beating that thing up oh cynthia y'all nasty listen cynthia you kind of pissed me off during this uh this little conversation though because that man all he want to do is marry you and you trying to have uh thirty thousand people at that damn wedding see in the middle of a damn pandemic cynthia you are atlanta you are yeah you are atlanta personified listen my grandma go out the window sometimes y'all know i'm from memphis and i'm country don't let these damn degrees fool you i <laughs> i'm country as they come okay listen cynthia you are a literal representation of atlanta all of y'all are out at these clubs with no mask on being super spreaders you see that y'all just nasty you nasty asses you a nasty girl you nasty you trashy you classless girl you sleazy you freaky n-a-s-t-y you nasty f-r-e-a-k you freaky <laughs> girl where's your p-r-i-d-e listen Shout out to Candy Birds because, you know, she wrote half of Destiny Child's song. So I'm just going to assume she wrote that one, too. I don't think she did, but we're going to give her credit for it, okay? Well, Candy, you you know, you got that money. I, I don't think you made no money off that song. It was just an album cut, but that was my shit, okay? Candy, you did that, even though you probably didn't do that. But for the sake of this podcast, you did that. Lastly, while Candy is in that uh, restaurant that Todd is trying to turn into a lounge, I don't know why. What is it about black men in Atlanta always trying to make some shit a lounge? This is a damn swimming pool. You're not about to turn this into a lounge. Next time we know Todd, Todd or Peter, one of them, Peter Thomas, the raggedy ass, go be over there at Kenya House trying to turn that damn uh muddy backyard into a damn lounge. What is it about Atlanta and lounges? Hookah lounge, uh, the Lanithia lounge, all these damn lounges. The point being, we get here and we hear that Portia has been arrested. Now, of course, we know this in real time, but Portia, along with like 80-something or 90-something other in other individuals, all get arrested for peacefully protesting. They were outside of the Attorney General in Kentucky's uh, residence, and so they all got arrested. They, you know, I one thing I loved about this was I loved like seeing them support her and say how proud of them they were. But I mostly love Cynthia worrying about Portia's physical well-being 
because that's really what we need to be worried about while these people are out here protesting and doing all they can, you know, to create better laws for all of us. I love to see that. And then they fast forward kind of to uh, later on that day, they show Portia, they show uh, Tamika Mallory, they show Yan did E.T. looking ass <laughs> all after uh, Killer Mike. They've all been released. I don't know. Kill, yeah, Killer Mike got arrested that night, too. They all after they've been released. Huzzah! Congratulations, Portia. Portia said that being inside that cage literally changed her life. I know the hell it did. Y'all know I'm too much of a germaphobe. It, it, I would have been focusing on the wrong shit, but I can imagine how eye-opening that experience can be. It can only be for someone, you know, who is really out there trying to make, like, real change out there. I can imagine how life-changing that is. I don't know why I just came for Yandy just then. Yandy, you did not send for me, but I just really came for you. And you know what? I think it's just because I really miss love and hip-hop. I'll even take love and hip-hop New York at this point. But y'all know I've been low-key beefing with Yandy ever since Mendeecees was freed, and she posted the video of when she went and uh, picked him up from jail or prison because he was in there for a long time. I, it was like five seasons that went by since we had seen Mendeecees. But she, they got out of that van, and then they walked to that fire hydrant and posed, and then they got right back in the van. What the fuck y'all doing? First of all, go pick up all them goddamn kids that y'all got. I don't know who the hell y'all convinced to babysit all them kids while you going, uh, y'all out here posing by firehouses. Get your ass back in that damn van, and, and damn it, don't get out again. I don't know if Judy had them kids or Kim had them kids. I don't know who the hell had them kids, but ooh, you know what? If I could have Love and Hip Hop New York back and I can get Judy and Kim fighting again, that would be the funniest shit in the world. That That's probably one of my favorite reality TV beefs of all time. Cam used to cuss like nobody on reality TV could cuss. Cam was the funniest cusser. I don't even remember. Who, you know what? That shit, it was too much, but the shit was funny as hell. I want all of them back. Yandy, I'm still beefing with you, but I'm glad you out here doing the damn thing with Portia too. <sighs> Y'all, I'm glad Atlanta is back. I have really missed our Georgia peaches, and I'm ready to see these peaches get cobbled. <laughs> now, look, we've uh, we've closed the door on Atlanta, so let's go ahead and talk about The Bachelorette. We pick right up where we left off, where we see uh, the whole thing between Noah and Bennett. Tasia feels like her integrity is being questioned. Bennett wanted to explain himself, so, you know, they go off to the side. He starts talking about emotional intelligence and EQ and all that kind of shit. And Tasia looked like she wanted to fall asleep. Do y'all remember that State of the Union? I think it was one of Barack Obama's State of the Union. And that black woman was back there, and she was just looking. And, baby, she fell right asleep on that TV screen. That's the exact face that Tasia was making on that screen. Tasia was like, what the fuck is this man talking about? She just let him talk, though, and then she just said, I'm very disappointed. This all could have been solved. You know, and very, you, you know, Tasia's a rich white woman on the inside. <laughs> Tasia thinks she Kyle Richards on the inside, but listen. You get pulled over by the police, I bet your ass won't think you Kyle Richards then. Anyway, Tasia then goes into Noah, and then she lets him explain himself, and Noah 
pulls out the waterworks. He starts talking about how Bennett thinks he's better than me. He thinks, uh, you know, he's going to do it to you when you guys get together. He said that I don't have EQ or emotional intelligence. And, you know, my mom left me on the doorstep of a firehouse when I was a baby. And uh, blind nuns raised me. Boy, get the hell off. I'm so sick of Noah. I... I can't wait for the day his ass gets eliminated. I don't and listen, all you people that uh that know all the behind the scenes tea, don't spoil don't spoil nothing for me. But I'm ready for his ass to go home with that little ass, uh pathetic ass, pencil stripe ass mustache that he got. Tasia ended up telling Bennett that she couldn't give him the rose, and Bennett's face was Stuck on stupid. He was stuck like a statue. His face looked like the Mona Lisa, just emotionless and empty. I know he wanted to say, I know you fucking lying. He got in that limo. He, look, he, he jumped in that limo. He was like, look, I don't worry about it. I'll be back on that ass. And if you watch the episode, you know damn well Bennett came back on that ass. He got in that limo like uh, Tiffany Pollard when Flavor Flav picked hoops instead of her. <laughs> She's like, I'm not giving you one single tear. Bennett was not going to cry. When she went back in there, Noah was smiling like a chess cat. He was just as happy as he could be. Tay just said, oh, oh, I think the fuck not. Don't worry, you're not getting this damn rose either. You just come to the ceremony and you see how I'm feeling because I might want to uh, throw this damn rose or stick this rose up your ass. Don't worry about it. You come to the ceremony. I'm not giving it to you right now, okay? We get to the actual rose ceremony and it turns out, look, Tasia said, I'm sick of you bitches COVID-19. She only had five roses on that damn table now look this you know y'all know i love a side note side note the negroes are dropping like flies the knee k-n-e-e grows g-r-o-w-s the negroes are dropping like flies riley is now the lone negro k-n-e-e grow g-r-o-w <laughs> in the group the lone negro Noah got the last rose, and you can he he lives to fight another day. So you know what Noah with your uh, chump ass. We'll see. We'll see how long you last after this, cause y'all dropping like flies in that. Tasia eliminating thirteen dudes a week. So you better uh, count your days and count your blessings. Okay. Side note number two. I can't tell. Is Riley is Riley corny as hell? Or is he a scammer? I can't tell. And you know what? It's a big difference. But they walk a fine line that's very close to each other. You know, I genuinely can't tell. You know, he gives off that last dude pick for sports energy. But then other times he gives off that like, you know, I'm going to make you pick me so I can ruin your credit energy. You know, Tasia probably got, you know, she looked like she got a, you know, a 680, 720, you know, somewhere around there, a good credit score. He looked like he going to take that down to a 420. And, you know, that man got a good job, supposedly. So I really can't tell which one of those he's supposed to be. But <laughs> listen, the way I, uh, I feel like I need to warn Tasia, but I also feel like, she needs her credit fucked up one good time. Listen, I'm I'm still kind of mad at Tasia, so go ahead and fuck her credit up if you need to, Riley. I won't. I ain't gonna tell the police on you. I didn't call them on JT from the City Girls. I was upset when they called her. Okay, 
They gave my girl a whole year in jail. But when she came out, she dropped that uh that first day out on y'all. You know, rappers, whenever they get out of jail, they have to drop a Gucci Mane first day out track. I'm not mad at you though. But Guwap did it best, but damn it, JT was bumping too. I don't know. See, I don't know how the hell I got on to talking about the city girls when I'm talking about the damn bachelorette. You see how damn random this podcast is? Another super random side note. Now, see, this is why this damn episode is going to be uh, three hours long. See, am I the only one that feels like everyone on this show pronounces her name differently? And I don't know why, but it bothers me to my core. And I feel like that's affecting who I want her to be with. <laughs> like, I feel like the guys that I feel like are pronouncing it closest to the way that I pronounce it are the ones that I want to be with her. Some are saying Taysha, some are saying Taysha, and some are saying Taysa, Taysha, Taysa. I don't, it's, it's weird. And you probably couldn't hear the difference between any of those three, but I hear it every single time. The clarity is there and I hate it. But see, the thing is, I'm going to need her to clarify that. Because if you plan on bringing one of these white men, because y'all know damn well she ain't bringing Riley home. But if you plan on bringing one of these white men home and he can't pronounce your black name in front of your black family, your family is going to be looking at you side-eyed as hell. Now, see, Thanksgiving going to be fun that year. It's going to be fun for them black folk. It ain't going to be fun for uh <laughs> for Ben ass or Blake ass or whoever the hell you or Noah uh, the lip chin ass. It ain't going to be fun for them because it's going to be fun as hell for your cousins that went for that long walk when you told them the food was about to be ready and they come back hungry than usual and smelling like uh, <laughs> smelling like cologne and shit. Y'all know the cousins I'm talking about. Brendan, Riley, Blake, Ivan, and Noah all got the roses, which means Damar, another black man, Ed, my favorite, oh, Ed, Ed and Bennett gone in one episode. That's some bullshit. And Spencer. Got their asses booted the fuck up out the house. Fast forward, JoJo Siwa. <laughs> I keep calling this girl JoJo Siwa. Jo, JoJo somebody. I didn't used to watch The Bachelorette, okay? I don't know who the hell she is. JoJo Siwa tells them that next week is hometown week. And that, you know, that's, I guess that's when she starts, you know, individually going to people's hometowns and going to these little-ass buckshot country-ass towns that these people are from. Now, see that? If you get your ass ran up, that might be why they've never had a black a black bachelorette before. Because you go go to uh, Lick Skillet, Georgia, and they go run your ass up out of there. But listen, I'll be tuned in anyway. We also find out that Ben gets the solo date. Ben, my Ben. Ben with the big fetus. The big old fetus. Y'all know I love that, man. I was about to break into a Jasmine Sullivan song this then. Let me move on. If I could, no, let me go on. Could forgive him. No, let me stop. I'm just play. I would please believe me. Okay, let me stop. Tasia and Ben on their little solo date. They get their date set up by JoJo Siwa. It was real stupid. Just like all, all of those daytime dates are so stupid, and they so it's they just seem so phony. I don't know. Everybody just pretending to smile. <laughs> oh my God. Look at this. I love this. I'd hate that shit. But when they go on the night portion of that, you know, one-on-one -on -one date, that's when it always gets real. And it hasn't yet gotten as real as it did on this episode. Ben, once again, is the one that always, you know, he has to be pushed to do it. But when he opens up 
the floodgates are open. He talks about basically his love for his sister and how she ultimately saved his life. You know, he got, he joined the army right after high school when he was 18. That didn't work out. At some point he ended up breaking his back. He could barely climb upstairs. He couldn't afford his rent. All of that. And you know, the past, what was it? The last week's episode, the week before that, he opened up about having eat, uh, disordered eating. So it, you know, we've learned a lot about him at this point, but then he realizes that in 2019 and in 2018, he had two failed suicide attempts. And that that is heavy. And it makes me wonder how Tasia, because, you know, she loves that he opens up, but it makes me wonder how she really feels like if he has truly grown past that or if maybe he deals with depression that is going to be something that she always needs to be conscious about moving forward with him. But the thing that I loved is he said that he credited, you know, being very intentional and aggressive with his therapy to him being the person that he is today. So I'm guessing he doesn't deal with those issues anymore. And he seems like a much happier person on social media, on the show. He seems, you know, like he's not in that place anymore. You know, obviously, you can't judge a book by its cover. So I might not know what the hell I'm talking about. But let's normalize therapy because that, I mean, if more people would actually talk out their emotions, they could learn how to deal with their emotions. But, you know, a lot of people, there's still such a stigma around, uh, you know, going to therapy equating to you being crazy and or you being uh, weird as hell. And then especially if you're black, you know, black people don't do that. Well, they need to. OK, let's normalize therapy. I say all that to say he got a rose. Of course, he got a rose. He better get a damn rose. Let me tell you something, Tasia. You better not have sent somebody home that confided in you that damn much. Tasia, we'd really have to whoop your ass then. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm just playing. No, the fuck I ain't. Okay, now look. We've already, uh, you know, we had, we had thought about jumping your ass the way you treated easy on last week's episode. But now you can send Bennett home. And, you know, we couldn't find Bennett because Claire, uh, Claire was dumping his ass off to go uh, suck and fuck on Dale. And uh, listen, I'm getting upset about the past. Let me move the hell on, okay? We find out that Blake wins the next solo date. I don't know why, but for some reason, as the weeks go on, Blake looks weirder and weirder to me. I don't know why, but you, I don't know. Brendan, Ivan, Raleigh, Zach, and Lipchi and Noah go on to take the lie detector test administered by Jojo Siwa. The big takeaways are that Noah misses that damn caterpillar that used to live on the top of his lip. Zach is a cheater. And Riley apparently is in witness protection because that ain't his damn name. You've been around here telling people it was, uh, <laughs> what he said, Winston Charles Riley the third or so, whatever the hell he said. And apparently that ain't even his name. And we also learned that Brendan is scared as fuck about everything involving Tasia. Now, where that stems from, God only knows. But after they get out of that whole lie detector test date situation, thinking jig. Zach tells her that he cheated on his sixth grade girlfriend at a bowl of Rama. And look, 
I need some the, the way y'all be uh investigating these damn Potomac housewives and investigating uh <laughs> uh, uh Kelly Dodd scamming ass. I need y'all to I need somebody to get on the line and fact check that. If you used to date Zach, <laughs> I need you to tell me if you were the girlfriend he was actually referring to cheating on. Because you can't just tell me you uh cheating on a sixth grade girl and that's been eating you a look that's been eating you alive for uh for thirty damn years because you old as hell. No, I'm sorry, no, you're not. You what are you, thirty-six? I child, I'll be that in five years. That's some sad shit. But anyway, Brendan says that the test uh was lying on him <laughs> because he's he doesn't know if he's nervous or not for her to meet his family and all that stuff and uh, it, you know, if they don't want to see him propose to someone else, cause he's done it before and it didn't work out. They don't want to see him propose to someone new and then it not work out. Boy, you're lying. I'm starting to believe my first mind. See my opinions about Brendan changed. Not while Claire was in the house. They changed when Tasia came because they seem to have had like a really genuine connection. But if you get on his Instagram, that boy, listen. That man really believes that he's Zoolander. I don't think he wants a wife. He just wants more people to look at his pouty mouth modeling pictures on Instagram. It's literally like if Zoolander was on The Bachelorette, like Ben Stiller uh, 30 years ago, <laughs> if he was on The Bachelorette. And then we get the Riley. Listen, y'all got to help me with this portion because... I'm y'all y'all know every now and then I go and take a a snack break if it's uh, early enough. <laughs> so I might have I, I I don't think I grasped what the hell he was talking about. He said something to the effect of he said his real name was Dwayne Henderson Johnson Jr. Something I don't know. He was named after his daddy. That's the important thing. But then he fell out with his daddy, and uh you know he missed all the time with his mom. And uh, his daddy got custody of them, and uh, he, I don't, I don't know what the point of the story was, but listen, even though I didn't understand it, he mentioned in the last episode that his mom was uh, calling him out of the blue, so maybe, I don't know, maybe they got something to do with it, and uh, I don't know. I didn't get anything about that story, but listen, he was crying, so I'm just going to say that he's brave because... I don't want y'all to cancel me. So <laughs> a man, you know, whenever a man cries, I'm just going to say he's brave. You know, normally the tears I understand and I love it and I root for it, but I, I didn't understand them tears because I didn't understand the situation. Maybe I was eating or drinking or, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 hoeing out on grinding. No, I'm just playing. I'm doing something other than what I was supposed to be doing, but I don't know. I didn't understand, but I'm not getting canceled. So Riley, you the bravest man I know. Tasia ends up not giving out a date night rose says she needs to uh, think about it and she'll give it out. I guess at the elimination ceremony, Child, hell, I don't know. She sashayed away and ran right into Bennett's American psycho ass. Y'all know I love that American psycho, but listen, that man was, he was dressed like your favorite banker at Wells Fargo, but he was grinning like uh, Jack Nicholson that here's Johnny. It was was creepy, Bennett. What's super funny though, is that I didn't realize that through my journey on the, with the bachelorette this season, because you know, this is my first time fully engaging in the bachelorette or the bachelor or bachelor nation as a whole. My mom called me 
And she goes, that boy is a future serial killer if he hasn't already killed anybody yet. <laughs> I didn't know that I had gotten her hooked on it too. So she's literally spending two hours of her Tuesdays watching The Bachelorette along with me. Now, I, I couldn't ask for more because she, she has been killing me with this commentary tonight. Now, she, uh, <laughs> I don't know if... You know, I don't know if it actually had this lady, uh, listen, Tasia was shook up. She acted like she had seen a ghost, which I guess she kind of had because she had sent that man home. Uh, and he brought his ass right on back. The man said, I think the fuck not. <laughs> this is, listen, what's really funny is that this show is such a big departure from what my mom usually watches. That's, I had to go back to it because that's funny as hell to me. Usually, if it's punches not being thrown, she ain't interested. You know, she's a loving hip-hop, growing-up hip-hop, uh, a basketball wives kind of girl. And so her watching this is really tickling me. And I guess that Bennett leaving and coming back was a straw that broke the camel's back for her. She had to go ahead and call me because she was having the time of her life over there watching this damn episode. Even though I was happy as hell that Bennett was back because y'all know Bennett is one of our favorites. I listen, who the hell opened the door for this man? Like I would be around there firing every security guard I can find at the La Quinta or the La Quinta or the, the Jaquita. Or the, hey, Quita girl. If I, I don't know what it is. Listen, I would have fired every person I can. You know what? I blame Jojo. See if Chris Harrison had been there, dude, wouldn't nobody have gotten through that damn gate. Chris Harrison would have been in his room mind his business, but he damn sure would have made sure them gates were locked around the La Quinta, okay? He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have handled that shit. JoJo Siwa, you make sure you take your ass home next episode because you putting these people's lives in danger. Black lives matter, JoJo, and you put this damn girl life in danger by letting this man back up in the Jaquita. Y'all know what the hell I'm talking about. And he sat there, he poured his heart out to her, and she admitted that she wasn't uh, ready to let him go, but she admits that she wasn't, you know, she needs a little more time to process all of this. And he tried to sneak a kiss in, but she was like, oh, hell no. And then we just got to find out. Apparently, he going to walk back in next week, and then she'll make her decision as to whether or not she wants to keep him. <sighs> let me tell y'all something. That was a good-ass episode of reality TV, Okay. If it if if it gets my mom that worked up and it's no fighting involved, that's a good ass show. I'm really here for the Bachelorette this season, okay? I'm all the way for it. Man, oh man. Let's go ahead and I'm gonna talk about Potomac last because I'm not gonna go too in depth with it. You know, you all just wanna talk about that uh dinner that proposal at the end and everything afterwards. So we're going to go to Salt Lake City, which was probably the funniest episode of all four of these this week. The door is closed on the Bachelorette. Salt Lake City is literally a different breed of reality television. I don't know what was so funny about this episode, but I literally, that first 10 minutes, I don't know if I've laughed that hard at a Housewives show in a long time time and the thing is i don't know if i'm laughing at them or with them or what it is but i think that's the beauty of the housewives you just laughing because you can't relate to any of the shit going on but the shit is hilarious to watch anyway 
for some reason, I've been walking around for the <laughs> the last week just randomly saying, like my pioneer ancestors. I don't know why, but Heather, that tagline, I, something about that sticks with me. I don't know if it's in a good way or a bad way, but anytime somebody says something to me, I just, like my pioneer ancestors. It sounds just like a, 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 you know how people, them infomercials late at night trying to sell you some bullshit you don't need? It's like she trying to sell us some of that uh <laughs> that nonstick pottery and she like my pioneer ancestors used to use this nonstick sofa you I d I don't know. But listen, this episode was funny as hell to me. They started arguing and Mary <laughs> Mary kept using those eyes to enunciate her point. And uh, what's the girl's name? Jen Shaw was mad about those eyes. She told her, don't get ghetto. She The argument escalated, and Mary put Jen the fuck up out that restaurant. That was some funny shit to me. Kicking bitches to my spot like Pam. Who said that? What rapper said that? Maybe J. Cole. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Look, I'm bougie. I don't know. Y- y'all tell me. <laughs> Whitney is just as funny, though. See? The thing is, I didn't think Whitney, I guess I didn't know what her place was going to be on the show, but I liked her. That's the thing. I really like Whitney. It's just, I didn't know what spot she was going to take. She's actually a lot funnier than people give her credit for. She's, (laughs) she's really good at being the comic relief. Her commentary on everything going on is worth watching the show alone. And the thing is, Heather is just as funny as she is. I don't know if it's something in that family tree because y'all remember they cousins. I keep forgetting the motherfuckers' cousins, but they cousins. They are, I don't know, but I'm loving everything that the the gay Rose, fa- <laughs> the Rose gay family, whatever, whoever the, the damn family is, I'm everything they giving, I'm taking. Y'all know if I don't love nothing in life, I love a crossover moment. I feel like they've been paying homage to Candace Dillard on Salt Lake City episode after episode. Last week, we got Lisa Barlow folding up that towel, dabbing those eyes with that Kleenex, just like uh, Candace does in every single scene on every single episode of every single season of The Real Housewives of Potomac. I loved it. This week, we had a Candace Dillard dinner party moment. Heather went outside after Jen got put the fuck out of the restaurant. She went outside and brought her back into the party, just like Giselle did Ashley when them people were in there going to food. You remember Giselle peeked her head in the door first. She was like, let me make sure the coast is clear. Them people was cussing and talking about Ashley so goddamn bad. Giselle said, okay, I think we good to go. They've moved on. <laughs> Mary, the same way Mary was still in there talking bad as hell about that girl. But she came back in and look, she was like, okay, I'm going to apologize. I'm trying to say my point. I feel like you, you know, bulldoze the conversation and yada, 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 and this and that. Mary said, look, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Y'all are upsetting Walter. Now, if you don't watch the show, Walter is this random, I don't know who the hell he is, but he was there in the background, this old ass man that apparently Mary is friends with or is her 
one of her, I, I don't know who he is. Maybe he owns the restaurant. I don't know. But the man was just standing back there. Walter hadn't said a goddamn word. And she told me, I don't want to upset Walter and all like this. But the funniest part was that one of them women actually sat her ass up there and apologized to Walter. I had to pause that episode and holler. This whole little scene was the funniest shit in the world until it wasn't funny any damn more. Y'all know by now when Jen Shaw gets mad, it's mad day. She goes to telling secrets about the uh, the other cast members, whoever she's mad at. And it's it's a mess. The same way she broke it to Heather that Meredith uh, was going through a divorce or going through a separation. She blurted out at the party. She said, and what the hell was that 7-Eleven comment about? And so, you know, that alone, I had the only time I go to a 7-Eleven is when I'm in Vegas. We don't have them here. So uh, I knew exactly like the kind of scenery, I guess, that she was talking about. She said something to the effect of uh, Mary thinks she's better than black people because she says that she doesn't go to 7-Elevens because there are too many black people outside. Something to that effect. Let me tell you something, Mary. I've been on this podcast going up for your ass for five weeks straight now. You better be lucky you got me blocked on Instagram, okay? Because <laughs> I was going to get on there and I was going to ask you, not 7-Eleven, I was going to ask you 5-Eleven questions about what the hell wrong with black people being outside of 7-Eleven, okay? I need to know about all of that with your uh bad wig wearing ass. I still go up for you, though, but I need to know what the hell you talking about Talking about some day, and then she got in her interview trying to explain it away. She said, "I feel the same way about Seven Elevens that I do about hospitals. I don't, I don't know what to do in a convenience store, and you know, to say I just hate the smell of hospitals." And listen, you need a better PR person because I, I that that didn't make a connection to me. That lady called you a whole self-hating black person, and you out here talking about uh, hospital smell, so. I need you to get that shit together, okay? Because I'm going to be uh, all up and down Instagram asking the people to go on your page to see if you mentioned it at all because I know you'd block the hell out of me so I'll never be able to see it. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe one of my, my followers, y'all usually send me her post because y'all know I can't see the shit. So if you actually see it and it, it, it pertains to black people and relevance, I need to know, okay? Slide in the DMs, send it to me because I can't see the shit, hell. You know who else can't see Mary's DMs? My pioneer ancestors. We see Meredith picking up her husband from the airport later on in the episode. And he's talking about how he wants her to move to Ohio for some odd reason. Meredith said, bitch, please. I ain't going to no damn Ohio. Now, look, as somebody who's very familiar with the Midwest, if y'all don't know, my undergrad and grad school were both in the Midwest, in Indiana specifically, both like 30 minutes away, different directions of Indianapolis. Listen, I have a lot of friends from Ohio. I've been to Ohio many times. For all my Ohio listeners, I love you. <laughs> Be sweet. I love you, Houston. Um, I, You, you got to give somebody a good reason to move to Ohio. That's no shade. It's just, you know, I we got to know why we going. But then again, girl, you in Utah. So, I mean, don't be all hoity-toity like you can't go to Ohio. <laughs> you could go, you could go to Ohio 
I mean, it ain't like, I mean, Salt Lake City seems nice, but you trying a little bit. Y'all got the same amount of snow, so if you go think you're going to miss snow, trust me, you damn sure ain't missing no snow in Ohio. They they got plenty of it to spare for you. You can go go see that man up there, I guess, but later on in the episode, we learn why the hell she don't want to go. So let me make a quick side note that really has nothing to do it has a little to do with the episode. No, it's not about my pioneer ancestors. It's about Mary and Jen both hearing them talk about the situation afterwards. You know, Mary is telling her uh, granddaddy husband and Jen is telling her actual husband. You know, they're telling them both about the actual situation that happened. And uh, she didn't mention how she took them damn Louis Vuitton headphones back. <laughs> but... They're both talking about the situation to the men in their lives. And you can tell, like, it's so obvious that both of them are vying to be the HBIC of this show, but are also vying to be the victim at the same time. And you know what? If you think about the housewives in general, that seems to be a pretty common theme with the women that kind of take on the role of HBIC. You know, Nene, we love Nene, but Nene was a perpetual victim too. You know, everybody was doing Nene wrong, every this and that. Kyle, on, uh, now, that, <laughs> now that they ran uh, Lisa Vanderpump ass out of Beverly Hills, you know, Kyle always wants to be the victim too. You know, she always crying somewhere. Everybody does her wrong. You know, all yada, yada, yada. Bethany is always somewhere crying, and but, you know, she she spits venom with the best of them, but she always somewhere crying. It seems like that's kind of a common theme across Bravo. These two women both want to be the HBIC, but they both always paint themselves as the victim in every single situation. Now, I'm not saying who right and wrong in this situation because both of y'all asses are crazy, but I love that crazy. But I'm just pointing it out. Don't be mad at me. Don't come uh suing me, Mary Cosby, with your white stockings. Uh, I won't be able to see the lawsuit anyway because you blocked my ass on Instagram. And don't try to email me either. <laughs> I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to press delete on that motherfucker. You got to get somebody to come to my house. And then they're going to get their temperature checked because I don't let nobody in my damn house. Another side note. Now that we're finally able to tell Lisa and Meredith apart, I actually love both of them equally and for like very different reasons. Lisa, I love her on this episode because not only is she getting the people drunk with all of her liquors, you know, her uh, tequila, her vodka, you know, with all her liquors and her uh, apparently men's line of smell goods, (laughs) you know, with all this stuff she got, she still don't mind throwing that man's Rolex out the window and making him go fetch it. I know that's right, Lisa. Sometimes you got to teach these motherfuckers a lesson. You ain't about to be out here doing me any kind of way. I'm going to throw this goddamn uh, cheap-ass Rolex that keep TikToking for some reason. I'm throwing it right out the window, and you better go over there down in that ditch and hope you don't find no dead body, and then we got to explain to the police what the hell we was doing in that ditch in the first place, and I'm going to drive off on your ass. See, I went out on a whole other tangent. My mind is always in true crime mode. I don't even know how normal stories unfold anymore. I just assume they always start with a murder and they end with somebody getting arrested. But apparently there's more to life than that. The last scene of the episode, though, was a lot. A lot, a lot. It was really sad, but it was also kind of funny, too. 
the scene between Meredith and her husband was really kind of heartbreaking. Obviously, she's the one that wants him out and wants her space. She needs her space, darling. She needs a little space, okay? He was crying and snot, you know, he was, he, he had the snot nose, Roscoe with the snot nose. He, and she was just very stoic. You know, she was trying to give him hugs to comfort him. You, but you know, at the end of the day, she like, look, you got to get there. Go, go back to, uh, Canton, Ohio, go to the hall of fame, see, uh, <laughs> Troy Aikman's picture in there, you know, do whatever you do at the, uh, the NFL Hall of Fame, and just stay there for a while. I got you an Uber X outside, not one of them high-ass uh, Uber Blacks or whatever the hell they call. No, nah, just the, the little cheap one to take you to the airport. It ain't nobody but you. I'm not going. So uh, get in there. It's only going to be $12.98. Don't worry. I'm going to cover the cost. <laughs> That's the least I can do since I'm putting you the hell out of my house. And you go back there, and then we just we need to work on this separation thing. Listen. Meredith, I'm not mad at you because most most people, when they see somebody significant other crying like that, that will give them like, a you know, a, oh, well, maybe we can work it out. Lisa was like, oh, this is really sad, but you still need to get the hell up out of my house. <laughs> Let's go on to Potomac or Arlington or D.C. or Great Falls or whatever the hell you women live at. The door is closed on Salt Lake City. We'll open it back up next week. Can I just start off by saying Michael Darby is gross? That's it. That's the tweet. I mean, like, what else do you need to say except Michael Darby is gross? In every single every single definition of the word. Sloppy drunk. Can't keep his hands to himself. Uh, pet, uh, oh, I was about to call that man a pedophile. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me not say that before that man... Uh use that MGM money and sue the hell out of my ass. Listen, Michael Darby in every aspect of the word is just nasty. I just hate seeing him on our TV screens and I'm ready for him to get his ass off of it. To be perfectly honest, Michael, you know who you could learn from my pioneer ancestors. Let me stop. Juan and uh, Robin go to therapy. That is listen, the theme of the week besides my pioneer ancestors, is going to be therapy. We're going to have to start decriminalizing black people going to therapy, especially black couples. Listen, from the inception of this show, people were calling Robin and Juan, well, no, I'm sorry. They were attacking the woman in the relationship. They were attacking Robin for being stupid, for wanting to keep her family together, and for wanting to see if she could fall back in love with her husband. Man, oh man, was she targeted. But look, I'm all for it. I was rooting for them from day one. And I love that this therapy session really kind of opened up every single. Oh, I mean, you know, the good therapy sessions, you know, if somebody cuss at least once, you know, it's a good therapy session. One said, don't act like that shit was perfect. She said, I'm not trying to act like it was perfect, but he was sure, you know, he, he wanted credit for being a dad, but she was like, look, you was out there on the road. I was the only motherfucker in the house. I was waking up at two in the morning, uh, wiping ass and <laughs> burping babies and all this kind of shit while you was asleep trying to uh, wake up in time to go to the game. She said, ain't no thing, but you was always a hands-off dad. That basically is what led to 
them ooh, led to both of them kind of disconnecting in the marriage. I guess Juan needed more intimacy and Robin, who was raising two young boys around the same age, that's gotta be a lot. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you Wonder Woman, Superwoman, Superman, that's gonna be a lot for anybody. The two rowdy ass children that ain't potty trained and always want something to eat and drink. Oof, that shit sounds tiring just thinking about it. I can understand how the marriage went down, but it, I love that they both left the session in such a good place, which is why I'm so glad she got that ring at the end of the episode from a bearded Juan Dixon. Go ahead, Robin. You better get that ring. And you need to teach a class to these uh broke, these, <laughs> these miserable motherfuckers out here that are still looking for their ring. Now, I might be one of them miserable motherfuckers, but that's okay. I don't want no damn ring. Okay. I, I'm, I'm content with where the hell I am. There's really no point in talking about all the, the early goings in this episode. Let's just get to the party. <laughs> okay. Because that's where all the shit jumped off at anyway. This whole episode, once again, revolved around the grossness that is Michael Darby. I'm t a sloppy drunk. He was mad because Juan was proposing to Robin instead of proposing to him. I stand by that. I don't care what nobody said. That man was heartbroken, okay? <laughs> he said that cubic zirconia was supposed to be mine. I don't know. what Whatever kind of that Morganite or whatever the hell they said it was. Listen, I don't know about all that kind of shit. All I know is uh, it didn't cost as much as some other shit, but it looked just as nice, okay? That's all I'd be concerned about. You can give me one of them $8,000 rings, too. I don't need that uh expensive-ass Kim K jewelry. I don't want to walk around Memphis with that shit. I don't know why them people beating, uh, snatched my damn chain and my wallet and all this shit and took off with that ring and my truck. Hey, I need my truck. I ain't got to drive to work right now, but, you know, I just wake up and go to couch <laughs> and then I'm right there working, okay? Listen, they, uh, Michael Darby is just gross. I don't know what else to say. The fact that he approached Chris and got in her face, his face, and then got pushed back out of his face. Oh, it was a lot. Like, I'm trying to, ugh, I don't know. I almost feel like nothing, no situation will ever make me side with Michael Darby. I don't care what it is. Like, first of all, you getting too touchy and then you acting like now for the first time in life, you don't like being touched. Child, I don't The fact that he said that the guy over there actually asked him, who are you talking about? Who pushed you and who did this and yada, yada, yada. The fact that he said that bald guy over there with the failed restaurant. Um, Hey, sweetie, sweetie. Um, wow. Oh, you, hey, you, you go tell them or you, you want me to, or you, you want me to tell them? You want me to tell him? Okay. I, t I don't mind. No, I can do it right now. I'm going to tell him. Okay. Bye. Um, Michael Darby. I don't know if you looked in the mirror, but you, you bald headed. Now, in not only that, you do a lot of bald head whole shit. And not only that, uh, didn't we witness your restaurant where you were selling kangaroo and emu and and uh, a panda bear and all this other shit that Americans weren't buying. 
And didn't that restaurant fail? Um, ooh. I mean, I just, ooh. That would be like, I know y'all hate Giselle's clothes. <laughs> that would be like Giselle sitting up and saying, this green-eyed bitch with the bad clothes. <laughs> I love Giselle. I'm not going to let y'all do her like that, okay? I I don't I would let Giselle dress me now. I, it would be on the day I'm not going nowhere. Like I'm gonna just sit around the house, you know, with that shit on. I, you can't you can't dress me for public, but you could dress me. Like we could hang out. I'm cool with that. But Michael, you nasty. You gross. I hate everything about you. And since we on the Darby's, let me go ahead and say, Ashley, you have managed to work every ounce of my nerves this season. At first, you were Mother Teresa after years and years of keeping up so much shit that we couldn't even count it to now jumping your ass up in every situation that has nothing to do with you. Now, I know that's the whole point of this show, but you have now overly inserted yourself in situations that have absolutely nothing to do with you. Writing that letter for Monique about Candace when you could have written a positive statement about Monique and then jumping your ass up in this fight when you didn't see nothing. And after your husband can barely tell you what happened because he's so goddamn drunk, pissing on himself, mad that his re the man he really want to spend his life with about to spend it with somebody else. You sit your ass up there and jump bold with Chris. Now, listen, I'm as big of a, I, I, I consider myself an everythingist. Like I'm, you know, I'm Black Lives Matter. I'm a feminist. All this, I'm everything. I'm all about, you know, everyone equal rights and everything you can think of. It's the way I eat the shit out of meat. I guess I'm not an animalist or what. <laughs> I ain't gonna, ain't nobody gonna stop me from eating steak. But the fact that, oh, how do I say this? I hate on reality TV when a woman in particular jumps like bold in a man's face because there is no winning for the man in that situation. If he walks away, oh, then you a little punk bitch. If he gets back in her face and uh, touches her or even talks to her aggressively, then he's overly aggressive. It's like, why not? I don't, I, I hate it. And it's something that they do like on love and hip hop and all the other reality shows. You remember like, Think back to like when Peter Thomas was on a Real Housewives of Atlanta. Man, oh man, those days Peter used to get his ass wore out online for jumping in quote unquote women's business, as they said. I don't know. It's just, I, ugh, I hate that. I can, this is actually a situation though. I can understand that if you think Chris, uh, not Chris Samuels, what the man, Chris Bassett, if you think Chris Bassett is in the wrong, I totally get it because I don't want anybody putting their hands on other people on these shows. Well, on Love and Hip Hop because I expect that, but not on the Housewives. If he puts, you feel like he took, but I felt like Michael touched him first and then he told him to get out his face. Like nothing about that was de-escalating. I don't know. I can understand if you're not on Chris Bassett's side. I can understand if you damn sure not on Michael Darby's side because I'm damn sure not that. But the end of this episode, 
Oh, the amount of white privilege that Michael Darby exuded at the end of this episode. If you are listening to this podcast and you don't know what white privilege is, go and look at the last five minutes of this episode. The way that man talked to that security, the way he talked down about everyone in that party saying, do you know who the hell I am? Get your fucking hands off of me. And when them people, your own wife is telling you that those people are just doing their jobs and you throwing the biggest fit, you physically hit your wife away from you. Like it's a lot. And then y'all ass go on vacation the next day. Child, listen, Ashley, do whatever you need to do. Cause at this point I'm convinced that you are just there for a check. If you're there for any other reason, you a bigger fool than most. If you actually think, you know what? Let me stop. I don't want to curse my own marriage one day, even though it'll be a curse if I get married. Cause y'all don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to get no damn married. Anyway, who saw who damn saw, but what do you think? Should Bennett have been allowed to come back into the house? Are you feeling all of the social justice that we get to see on the real housewives of Atlanta? Do you think Salt Lake city is the funniest shit since sliced bread? Are you ready for the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion that starts this upcoming Sunday? Whoo, man, oh man, I'm ready for it all. Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up on Instagram at Housewives Marvel Podcast or email me, Housewives Marvel Podcast at gmail.com. I'll respond back to you and I can't wait to interact with you guys. You know, I love those shady DMs. I love those messages and comments y'all leave under the picture. Hit me up. Follow me on Instagram. Make sure if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you stop what you're doing right now. You go subscribe. You go ahead and you give me a review. And you let me know because I love y'all, okay? I love all of you. And download this episode, damn it. See ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He's wild, he's sweet. He'll shred your couch on a whim, then come crawling back to you, purring happily at your feet. His behavior may be erratic, but he's still the world's best cat, who deserves nothing less than world's best cat litter. The number one natural and sustainable litter brand with no harmful chemicals or silica dust. Trade your clay today. Get world's best cat litter for the world's best cat. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.